Beyond with Mike Kelton season three is brought to you by Happy Buddha Hemp. Happy Buddha Hemp has my all-time favorite CBD gummies that I literally cannot live without. All the details on my fave nightly treats and sick discounts are coming your way, Carol. But for now, let's get this episode started, shall we? Forever. Dog. He was a flapper in a past life. He's a comedian in this life. He's got a podcast about it. Everything he loves. Magic, magic, psychics, psychics, mediums, astrology, beyond. Hi, I'm Mike Kelton, and you're listening to... Babe, it's Kelt. We're back. Welcome to season two of Beyond. I have to say that I have really, really missed doing this. And I really, really appreciate all the messages and DMs about your spirit guides and your dreams and your Saturn returns. It means a lot to me that making this season one was not just me talking to a microphone to no one. It actually broke through and connected to people. And that honestly means the world. So thank you. And we're back. And I want to give you a little gift this season. You're not only getting an episode of Beyond every Tuesday on this journey, but every Thursday, there's a new companion piece called What Do You Be? Where I am interviewing people that I'm obsessed with about what they believe in. Because if I learned anything about season one, it's that opening up these conversations with people about how they connect to whatever they believe in is interesting. And I'm obsessed with it. And I think you will be too. So look out for that every Thursday. But Carol, here we are, a year later since season one. And a lot has happened in the past year. Here are some updates. I stopped working for MTV, which was sad, but good. Because honestly, I was tired of wearing costumes and dancing in public parks for strangers on the internet. Shocking. Andrew and I went to no less than 14 weddings, and I charged half of them to my credit card. Which is fine, because I'm in my 30s, and I'm invincible, bitch. I made a TV show with drag queens, which, if you can believe it, was extremely gay. And we're making more. Thank you. And I want to tell you more. But if I tell you more, I might spoil some of the season. So I'm going to stop. Now. What is season two about? Incredible question. Put your hand down. This season is going to follow my journey over the past nine months. And it all begins... Back in February, at our first pitch meeting. Lot of the D. Okay. Okay. Those beautiful tones you hear is me and Alex sitting in the studio at our first session back in February. And I asked Alex to press record and sit down because before we could talk about anything else, I had a story to tell. So I graduated college in 2009. The way that it worked where I went to school, because it was a musical theater conservatory, is the whole process led up to this showcase in New York. And it was kind of like the pinnacle of the whole deal with the University of Michigan and studying musical theater and like taking tap classes and being a psycho. Um, So we get to New York and we do this showcase. It's a showcase where like agents and managers come and there is so much pressure put on this performance where your professors picked a song for you. I did a song from Shenandoah and it was a song called Next to Lovin' apostrophe. I like fighting, apostrophe. 
Like literally, imagine me doing a song of like a big old country boy, I guess because of the way I look. I'm like 6'4 and have like red hair. I did a song that a cowboy sings and it goes like this. Next to love and I like fighting. I like fighting. It's exciting. Next to love and I like fighting best. Honestly, that was good. <laughs> That's not bad. So, <laughs> so did you book? <laughs> and the bitch didn't book. <laughs> I do the song. There's like high stakes with it. You get an email the next day from Rachel Hoffman, who's a casting director at Telsey and Company. And she sends you an email with all of the agents and managers that are interested in meeting with you. So it's an email that basically has all of the agencies listed, like in New York that came. There's like probably 50 to 60 names on that list. I was with my two friends, Lizzie and Corbin, and our phones like dinged. And we were like, oh my God, it's the email. It's the email. And we all like run to our phones. And it's a vulnerable moment because we're like reading it at the same time. And we pick up our phones. I'm scrolling through and I'm like, oh wait, these are just names of agencies. It doesn't say anything else. And so I think like I maybe got a wrong email. But then at the bottom, I see an agency called Nickelodeon Company, which is a great theater agent here in New York that I actually interned for the summer before. It says the agency and then it says call for appointment. And I was like, oh, so the email's not wrong. I just have one appointment. And then I look at Lizzie and Corbin. The first words out of Corbin's mouth are, oh, I only have 16 appointments. And Lizzie goes, I only have 13. And I go, I have one. And they were like, one? Who is it? And I was like, Nickelodeon Company. And then they go, they're a great agency. All you need is one. So, of course... I put all my eggs in this basket and I was like, I got a slay. I know the agents at Nickelodeon Company. I worked for them. They know me. Maybe they're interested because they're like, he's funny. He didn't get to show his best self at the showcase, but we there's something in him that we think is viable in this insane industry. And so I kind of like convinced myself of this. So I call for an appointment and they give me a like in two weeks. So for two weeks, I just like, I don't know. The only thing I could control was like, the way my body looked so I like ate really healthy I went to the fucking gym I was slaying it I got like a new shirt that I couldn't afford at Club Monaco it was a short sleeve button down shirt and the day comes for this interview I go and I I don't know if you've like the most nervous you've ever been in your life because like your life is riding on this so I walk to this agency this like it's like in an old warehouse building in Chelsea and so I take this like freight elevator up to the like the eighth floor which is the top floor of this building and it's the middle of june and i'm hot as hell i am i literally have never sweat more in my entire life and this shirt is two sizes too small so all of the sweat on my body is now a new pattern on the shirt and under my armpits there is like a shadow that goes down to my waist that is dripping from my armpits so i look pretty fucking crazy right now but i'm ready to slay I walk into the room. I like give them a hug, literally like drip sweat on these people. And I'm like, oh my God, Russell, Michael, Jeannie, who's like the head of the company. And they're like, good to see you. Oh my God, sit down. So I sit down in their like middle of the office, which is this like open space, little living room area. And before I could literally say a word, Russell starts and he's like, 
Mike, we're so happy you could come. You know, just off the bat, we wanted to say that we were so excited to sit down with you. We are not interested in representing you, but we did want to be a sounding board for any questions you had about the business. And then I like, <laughs> I like crawled into my soul. This is so bad. So I was like, oh, yeah, things are great. Things are amazing. And I have so I have I'm just I really have so many meetings. Um, so I don't know if I have any questions <laughs> per se, but and then they were like, who else are you meeting with? And I quickly was like, Abrams, Abrams. And I don't know why I just thought they were the best. I just lied. I just felt so embarrassed that I spent four years of my life just doing time steps. And now I'm like living in the city. It's like, what was the fucking point of doing that? So I leave that meeting and I just, I feel real bad. Like, I'm like, I need a chicken parm stat. I get a chicken parm, go back to my apartment. And I literally was like, oh, I'm, what did I just do? What am I doing in New York? Like, why did I move to New York? Why did I go to school for musical theater? They always talk about it like at school, there's like one person who will not get an agent out of showcase. And like, I was the one. That summer was the lowest I've ever been besides the elevator incident, which which is my Saturn return. I would like sleep in uh, until like 12 or 1, eat cereal at like 1 and then another bowl at 2 while watching reruns of Sex in the City on like maybe TNT at this point. And then after I would have a second bowl of cereal, I would go to the gym, New York Sports Club. The apartment we lived in was on the corner of 78th and Amsterdam. And I walk on 78th Street to Broadway and take a ride on Broadway to go to the New York Sports Club. And every day as I'm walking on 78th Street, there's a doorman in front of a building on 78th that every morning would say good morning or just hello. Like, I also had my headphones in. And so he would stop me and, and, and I would always kind of ignore him and walk by. And I was like, why is this person trying to talk to me? I clearly don't want to talk to anybody. And he did it like every day I walked by. So, you know, as you can imagine, I'm feeling like really bad about myself. And it's a bad June. It's the worst July. It gets hot in New York. And it's, it was also like 2009 was the hardest time, the financial crisis. So I'm feeling really bad. And I pass this guy every day. I'm walking on 78th Street. And I'm walking to the gym. And every time I pass, he says hello to me. And every time I kind of ignore him. And I'm like, hi, you know, hey. One day towards the end of July, I'm walking and I have my headphones in. But of course, there's no music because I'm just like pretending I can't talk. I hear him say, hey, good morning. And I'm, I'm like, okay, hey. And he goes, can I ask you something? Is he, talk- is he talking to me? And so I take my headphones out reluctantly. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Can I ask you something? Sure. And so I walk over to him. He literally looks at me and says to me, do you jump up and down every morning at the goodness of who you are? And I look at him like he's a psycho. And I'm like, no, I don't, you know, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't do that, sir. And then he, he looks at me and it's, it's, it's like, like the world stopped, right? It's like the world stopped. And he goes, something's going to happen in two weeks. That's going to change your life. And then he looks at me and opens his arms and says, give me some Jesus. As you know, I'm not a religious person. And that was like, I was like, this is now getting creepy. But I just kind of give him a hug. I just give this old man a hug because that's what he was asking for. So I gave him some Jesus. And then I like walked away feeling different because I was like, this interrupted my day in a way that was so bizarre. I feel a little bit different. I'm out of my head. 
Did you think when you heard that that something would happen or no, nothing? So later that week, I went to pick up my friend at Chelsea Studios and I saw that there was like tons of girls with like tons of hairspray and like colorful outfits on. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? They're like, oh, it's the open call for the national tour of hairspray. And I was like, oh, cool. Maybe I should audition. And they're like, no, today's the girl's call. Yesterday was the guy's call. And I was like, okay, never mind. And then this guy who was like the monitor was like, do you want to be seen today? Literally in the hallway was like, do you want to be seen today? And I was like, can I? He goes, yeah, if you have your book. And so I was like, yes. And he literally put me in two groups later, which is also like not cool for a monitor to have someone cut. And I guess I do look like I could be in hairspray. Like if you look at me, I do look like a person that could be in hairspray. But it was bizarre that this monitor was like, do you want to audition for this show out of nowhere? It's like an actor's dream, right? So I went in, I sang uh, the Mariah Carey version of I'll Be There. But I did it like crooner style. And I got called back. And legit six callbacks later, I booked the show two weeks from the day that this old doorman told me that something was going to happen that was going to change my life. It was the most validating thing that could have ever happened to me. And it came out of legitimately nowhere. And it changed my life forever. Like I got back to the city and I was like, I found, I like that tour helped me find my confidence again. When that happened, did you immediately? Yes. You were like, it's two weeks. I went back. Did you tell him? Mm hmm. I brought him a coffee and I was like, hey, you remember me? <laughs> you remember me when you said something's going to happen that's going to change my life? I was like, I actually booked the national tour of hairspray legitimately two weeks to the day that you said that. And he looks at me like, it's almost like you sound crazy now. He literally made no indication that what he did was real. And then I was like, what the fuck? Like, are, am I crazy? Did I make that up? And then he goes, when do you leave for tour? I was like, oh, in a couple months. And he goes, give me your email. I would love to email you while you're on tour. So of course I gave him my email. When I left him, I would go back every six months to visit Patrick. I'd bring him coffee, check in on him. And as I've told the story to friends throughout my life, I've, I've always really wondered is like, is Patrick like my guardian angel, you know, like is, is he, or was he at that time, someone who was supposed to say something to me that was going to be helpful in my process or journey in this lifetime. And as I've told the story, like over many years, it's become kind of like a staple of a question mark that I still have of, are we alone or are there some guiding forces that are helpful to us? Sometimes do strangers come into our lives for a reason? Is it uh, serendipity? Is it meant to be? Or is it all random? Right. And and was it just like one of his things that he says, like in two weeks, something's going to happen. And did you retrofit that into? Did I? Yeah. Did I, Carol, narrate this as like, this is my story? Maybe. Or maybe like this guy, Patrick, who is a doorman on the Upper West Side, is a spiritual being that goes home, sprouts wings, and flies up <laughs> to the every ether night. every he night. He does it every night. It's taxing. <laughs> so that's that's my big question, and that was too much of a 
that was too big of a topic to take on for season one. So that's where we're starting before we do any recordings or calls. Um, that's I needed to say that I'm recording with you. A week later, we had a full team Beyond Meeting, which is iconic, and we welcomed Tracy Soren, the new senior producer to the pod. You're going to be obsessed. And I just sat Tracy down and also shared the story with her because, babe, I really wanted to know what she thought. Um, I I think it's actually a wild story <laughs> that I'm not surprised <laughs> happened to you. Yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. I think the other part of it is, like, it could have ended there, but of course... <laughs> You went back. Yeah, you went back, you psycho. <laughs> That's like such I a know. new thing. I well, Okay, here's the thing. A person told me that my life was going to change in two weeks. I was like, something is up with this guy. The way he said it to me, because we live in New York, people say crazy shit to you all the time, every yeah. single day. The way that he spoke to me changed like a vibration within my body. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. You know, like something cuts your day and you're just like, now I feel different. I was thinking more about it. Um, and we all have these kinds of stories, like in one way, shape or form, just like, hey, this weird thing happened that like that is kind mm-hmm. of inexplicable, but is exactly what I needed to hear or 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 change the way I thought or like exactly it came to me in a time that I like I desperately needed it. And it's what just, is that? That's my, my question is, what is that? Right. Is that just like a stranger going out on a limb and being like, you know what, you stranger, I think something's going to happen that's going to change your life. Is it that? Or seriously, after season one, I'm kind of like, maybe something's up. Maybe, maybe. something's I, up. I, I don't know. The whole fear of starting this podcast was like, I when I talked about this like woo-woo stuff especially in the comedy community, people make me feel so dumb. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. Like, And I second guessed kind of like the fibers of my being. And mm. then I was like, oh, don't do that to yourself, Mike. Like, you know what? You can believe what you believe. But like doing this, doing season one, finding and trusting that, you know, my grandpa Bob is one of my spirit guides and like with me all the time. And I now I like speak to him when I'm in times of need. Like he's, that was a learning lesson for me, like connecting and tapping into the, all this stuff. And then especially with like all the synchronicities, I'm at a place now where I feel like I want to explore this. I, I'm like ready to like dive back into this guy and this topic. What are you looking to get out of this? Like what excites you about this? I love this story. Yeah. I've loved telling this story to people mm-hmm. for so long. Um, and what excites me about it is not only finding him, but letting him know what he meant to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And, right. and like genuinely and silly, like being like, babe, I have a question for you, Pat. Are you my fucking guardian angel? <laughs> like, yeah. like, has anyone ever asked that? That's my question. Has anyone ever gone to someone who's helped them and be like, hi, like, are you, is there something up with you? Do you know something I don't know? Because he also is super religious too. And that was something that at first I was like, no, this is, this is wrong and bad. As a queer person, mm-hmm. you are taught and you are told that you are not accepted by religion like at the gay pride parade they're holding up fucking bible verses being like you're going to hell so i've always been like that fuck that but then he sent it and it was really beautiful and all of these like religious things that he said was so beautiful that i don't know maybe because he's religious he also has some kind of connection or or does think he's a guardian angel yeah 
Maybe the maybe the dude talks to Jay. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of people have said like tell people what they mean to you mm-hmm. before it's too late. And a lot of people don't actually do it. Do that. Right? Like you hear these stories and you really don't hear the mm. reverse of it. You don't hear the part that's like Oh, I, I should. I could. I could. That guy. That person really helped me. Mm-hmm. Unless you're like have a camera and you're on Bravo. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like you really don't get that a lot. And so that really interests me to be like, oh, the story didn't end there, and it doesn't have to end uh-huh. there. There could be more to it. Carol, my spirit guides have a message for you. Just kidding. They had nothing to do with this, but I genuinely want to let you know about some of my fave new things that have made my life and sleep habits a bit more chill and vibe-worthy in the past year. CBD products from our season three presenting sponsor, the iconic Happy Buddha Hemp. I've been truly obsessed with the full spectrum CBD gummies for a while now. And I gotta say, sleeping through the night is an absolute vibe. It's made me more alert during the day and brought my general anxiety to an all time low, which is a vibe. If you haven't tried CBD products before, don't fret, Carol. I was also a noob when I tried Happy Buddha Hemp products and I quickly found the perfect dose for me. I recommend starting with the gummies and taking half of one 30 minutes before bed and see how it feels. The next night, do the same amount or go even further to really connect with your subconscious in the dream world. I can confidently tell you that I have tried and love all of the HBH products, which is why I literally asked them to sponsor my podcast. I know, it's sick. So if you want to get in on the CBD life, head over to happybuddahemp.com and use the code BEYOND for 30% off. Again, it's 30% off at happybuddahemp.com using the code BEYOND. This works for all of the products, Carol. So go ham and have a good day. (laughs) Taking time off of working on this has honestly been um, sad. Mm -hmm. I I like doing this. I like coming into the studio, talking about feelings and like, and connecting. It's kind of a form of therapy for me if I'm being a hundo. So during the time away, I've thought a lot about what it was about season one that made me feel good and connected. And it was mostly trusting my instincts and trusting the synchronicities of the season. We were throwing it together last minute, but like I was really trusting my gut, which is why I kind of want to approach season two more of like a docu, right? Yeah. I like, mm-hmm. I, I would love to, I'd love to start this search for Patrick, but then kind of open myself up to whatever comes my way. And if we start trying to yeah. contact Patrick and find him and explore this idea of guardian angels and I tell people what I'm doing, the fucking universe is going to give us stuff. I know oh, it. Oh, yeah. But also, like, if someone DMs me and they have a fucking haunting, we're going on a fucking ghost hunt. <laughs> right. I'm calling Asa. Oh, I really right. ple- I want one. I want one bad. It's, <laughs> I, here's the thing. Putting it out mark, to uni. My, mark my words. There will be a ghost hunt. <gasps> mark my words. There will be a ghost hunt. Promise. All right. Le promise. <laughs> so I promised Tracy in French, a language I do not know, that we would absolutely have a ghost hunt. But as I left the studio that day, I was thinking out loud in a language I do know, English. And I was saying, Mike, if you're going to do this, if you're going to look for your guardian angel for this season of the pod, you got to get someone on board. 
And you know that person's Andrew. Okay, um, I don't think asking someone if they are your guardian angel is gonna be gonna make set you up for success here, Mike. Um, I think that's bizarre. Um, but that could be fun and interesting, I, I guess. But I don't know. Do you even know what a guardian angel is? Like, what, what does that mean to you, a guardian angel? To me, a guardian angel is, like, someone, a stranger. You know what? You know what? I'm going to stop you right there. Why? <laughs> because it's, like, to me, and I think there are, like, terms that that you need to get right by hosting this podcast. Like, if you're going to talk, like, let's say season one, you talk about, um, like, past life regression therapy. That is a very specific thing. I'm sure you can look different ways, but, like, it is one thing. It's not like, well, to me, it's about finding your joy. One is like, that might not be it for everyone. Or to me, it's about, like... Okay. I actually think you're saying things that are valid. So I, I, I think I think you like especially guard because like I went to Catholic school. I like we learned all about angels and stuff. And I uh, did you get tested together. on like the Bible? Oh yeah, constantly. Really? Oh yeah. Who do you think you know the most about? Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John? It's all the same stuff. But most of them are the same. And actually, there's Matthew, like, Mark, Luke, and John are the same. Do you not know this? They're apostles. Disciples or apostles? A disciple A disciple is kind of like a general term for like anyone who like followed Jesus as a disciple. So like somebody now could be a disciple of Jesus. There were 12 apostles. So that was kind of like a higher uh, level. At like the Last Supper, those were apostles. That's correct. Everyone in that picture is an apostle. But anyone at like a Target could be like, I'm a disciple I'm of a Jesus. disciple of Jesus. Correct, correct, correct. Three of the, the four gospel writers, I think Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's all the same story. Yeah, all the gospels are the same. The same story? It's not like first Told by Matt. different people? Correct. Oh, okay. It's like, what news channel are you watching? Yeah, that's a good way of seeing it. Okay. So... So anyway, but like... You know more about this stuff. We And we like learned about angels and the, the tradition of all of that and what that means. And I... I just can't help but think that if you're going to go into this territory that is so um, well-researched, I think... Academic, even. And academic, yeah. There are people who... Yeah, exactly. Um, You might need to lean on on experts more in this season. Okay. With this, you might just need to go and talk to someone who's a, a theologian or something and just interview them. So chatting with Andrew was illuminating, and I realized, wow, I know absolutely nothing about the Bible, or guardian angels, or the Bible. But I do know one thing. I know that God is a woman. I know that for a fact. I know it because I've read books, and I've been to one, two Ariana Grande concerts. But I realized I had a lot to learn, which is why I listened to Andrew, and guess what, babe? I called a theologian. Hello? Derek? Yes. Hey, it's Mike. Hey, Mike. How are you doing today? And this, Carol, is Derek McQueen. Not only does he have great end from the beginning of a phone call, which is very difficult to do, but he also is the first out African-American pastor of a Presbyterian church in New York City. So we vibe. Congratulations there. 
He went on to explain some of his credentials, which are pretty impressive. I have my PhD in homiletics and New Testament. And homiletics is the, uh, the art of preaching and New Testament. So, and I really look at um, the context of, the, of the, the actual biblical text and other non-canonical texts to talk about um, understanding how this spirit of this new movement spoke to people that had them actually embrace it. Before I went on to ask Derek about guardian angels, which is like why we had this call, I had to ask Dee, what's it like being a gay pastor? When I was growing up and I was coming to understand myself, I never thought that God hated me. I thought that there was something wrong with the church. So I never had any problem with divinity or with holiness. I always had a problem with the church that was putting restrictions on people. So I wanted to find a place in which I could speak into this um, bringing people in and holding people together in this. And so that's where I find myself right now. So that's why. So first of all, we love that answer. And it honestly, I know it's a complicated topic, everyone. I know this is a complicated topic, but when Derek said that, it did help me reconcile with some of my complicated feelings around this issue. And then I stopped decompressing and having conversations you only have in grad school, and I went on to ask him if he watches The Voice. Just kidding. Although, I did actually really want to know that. I was actually thinking about the conversation I was having with Andrew earlier, and I wanted to know if Guardian Angels started with Catholicism, or the Pope, or my Aunt Gingy, who lives in Connecticut, who talks about Guardian Angels all the time. The accompaniment of divine angels has been, or divine um, entities, has been with us since the very beginning of pretty much of time that we know about religious history, um, especially because um, it, it helps us to rely on the fact that the things that we can't explain and those protections that we cannot explain and those things that come to um, come to aid us when we think that we're, our backs are completely up against the wall. A lot of that has been proper towards these, this whole idea of angels and, and guardian angels. And for example, um, way before even the idea of you know Catholicism and St. Jerome in the third century started thinking about pronouncing guardian angels as a, it's not really a, a, a Catholic, um, principle, but it's a Catholic, what they call it, of the, of the Catholic mindset that guardian angels are, are around. So it's not something that is sort of a tenet of the Catholic Church, but it's sort of a way of supporting the tenets of the Catholic Church. And many of the popes have sort of taken that up, but it's been around um, with Hebrew, um, with the Hebrew text from way, way back. So Okay, phew. Now I know my Aunt Gingy didn't invent the concept of guardian angels, which actually was shocking to me. Derek went on to share an example of a guardian angel story from one of these older texts. And when I say texts, I don't mean text messages. I mean like really old paper. One of the things I really wanted to highlight and let you know about was the, the book of Daniel. Daniel is a very interesting book in the Bible. It's the Hebrew text, the book of Daniel. And the book of Daniel is powerful because it is the basis of most prophetic and um, what, should, what should we call it? Revelation texts. Um, it is the basis of, uh, it sort of speaks to what Ezekiel goes through, it speaks to what John the Revelator goes through in the book of Revelation, but much of that is predicated on the notion of what Daniel goes through, goes through and what happens with Daniel. And Daniel is very often speaking to, to the appearance of angels, but my favorite story in the book of Daniel in terms of angels is the three Hebrew boys that are thrown into the fiery furnace. 
and that's like keep that's Daniel three, I think. Um, and I actually had that Daniel three uh, verses nineteen through thirty. The king had ordered that um, people praise him in some way, but Daniel found a way not to do it, and also he was able to sort of get by. But then there were these three young Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they decided that they would heat up the furnace seven times hotter than they even thought it could be. So much so that the 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 people who threw them in there were like burned up because it was so hot. But when they looked down from the top, they saw that they knew that there were three people in there. And the king said, I, I know that there are three people that we put in there. Why is there four? And this is an instance of an angel protecting these three uh, young boys in the fiery furnace who should have been burned up. And when they let him out, um, King Nebuchadnezzar completely changed his entire way of ruling, entire way of understanding of the Hebrew God, so that it, it totally freed up this whole notion and living in the revelation of the God of the people of, of, of Israel. So that this angel that protected these three, he says, surely no other God has this much power that they can send a representative to come in and, and save them from this kind of destruction. He told me that story, and I was like, damn, Daniel, that's an awesome guardian angel story. Thank you for letting me say that joke. Derek then went on to explain a more modern-day example of a guardian angel from his own life. And babe, it reminded me a lot of Grandpa Bob. Every time there's a tap on the shoulder that makes us stop and look in another direction and make us think that there's... that there, I, I very much am aware of my Aunt Dot and when she is speaking to me and when she is... Um, guiding me and, and my thought and my direction because I often stop. And when I stop, for some reason, she comes into my mind and then I hear her voice just sort of and, and something that she might have said to me or something that would make me think about what I need to do. And that is the voice of, of me being able to think in a different way and in a solid way about who I am meant to be in this whole purpose-filled life. And I think that that's really the basic of what this whole notion of guardian angels is all about and that we get to our experience of it, especially in pop culture and the only way that we have access to it is that we get to see like the other side of the story and the interaction between the guardian angels and the human beings. We get to see that other thing, but in the lives of most people, it's just a moment. It's just that moment when you hear that voice. It's just that moment when you're, when you feel that you shouldn't step off the curb and you do feel as if someone's holding you back, it's just those moments. Okay, yes. I'll admit, he is saying some things that sound a little bit like a Hallmark movie, but at the same time, he's saying things that are making me think that this idea has legs and wings and a halo because I'm talking about guardian angels. Anyway, full transparency, this call with Derek lasted literally two hours and blew my mind, which is why you will be hearing from him again this season. But for the purposes of this first episode, what you're going to hear next is maybe the most important part of the call for me. I want to answer that I think that guardian angels are very often in human form, um, brought to us for a specific time, for a specific moment, for a specific reason. Um, and that that is a part of a divine plan for us to interact and to be a part of that swirling connection um, at that time. Uh, but I also believe that guardian angels come in human form um, because I very often see them on the streets of New York City. You heard that, right? 
Derek, an expert, a theologian, a pastor, sees guardian angels on the streets of New York. And guess what? I think I did too. At 210 West 78th Street, 10 years ago, and his name is Patrick. So Pat, if you're listening, buckle up, because I'm coming for you, bitch. That's right. This season of V, I am searching for a man that I met on the Upper West Side over a decade ago who I think could be my guardian angel. And I am taking you on this journey with me, so buckle up. But here's the deal. I also decided to let this be my guide for the nine months of recording as it opened me up for anything that the universe had to offer. And babe, the universe had a lot to offer. If I learned anything from season one, it's that trusting in these signs, consulting with our spirit guides, and really getting in tune with our own intuition is the best way to connect. And that's exactly what I did for season two. And season two is going to be a lot. I didn't know at the time, but the next nine months of my life would take me through a lot. My family said goodbye to Grandma Marie, which means Grandpa Bob got reunited with his gal. I gained some new friends on a ghost hunt. Andrew and I had a dinner party with three mediums. And the dresser was the topic of choice. And I gathered some of the most incredible stories along my journey to reconnect with Patrick. And maybe, just maybe... Hello? Hello? Patrick? I found my guardian angel. But you'll have to wait till the end. Welcome to Season 2 of The End! Goodbye. <laughs> Forever Dog. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Dog. Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original Dog. podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team. 